Welcome to episode 20 of the Shanna Plan. We are one week away from the end of the regular season. As you all know, this season has gone exactly how we all expected it to. We are previewing the 49ers and the Seahawks for the title to win the NFC West. Winner gets a bye week and the number one seed. Akash, welcome. Happy holidays. How was your holiday? Happy holidays, KP. Uh, It was awesome. I know it's a weird year and it's just not the same, but um, you still got to enjoy that family time and and I hope you had a good holiday as well. Yeah, it was. Definitely got some family time in. Um, it's been pretty low-key. I feel like we're all at home anyway, so not much going yep. on. Saturday game, the 49ers beat the Cardinals. If you had no idea watching that game, the road team looked like they were the ones fighting for a playoff spot, and the home team looked like they were eliminated. Um, that was, a, again, a Robert Sala gym. His he's gone. Like there's just no way around it. That, that is the best interview he could possibly put forward because every week it feels like there are new wrinkles and he just stymied a a fast, um, efficient ish Cardinals offense that is very good on the ground and they just had nothing going, man. So uh, that was probably the biggest takeaway for me. Obviously the 49ers got good performances in their secondary and Tarveris Moore played well. Keller Witherspoon played well. Jason Rett played well-er than the other two and then there's always that Fred Warner guy but CJ Beathard man no turnovers crazy what happens when you do not turn the ball over and the 49ers won um he did have one turnover towards the end of the half but that didn't mean much yeah yeah, we're not going to count that he's the third string quarterback so one turnover is no turnover Akash what did you think from the game we're not going to spend too much time on it was there any real takeaways that you had yeah, a couple of things. First off, it was an Amazon Prime game, and I thought the production was just weird. Did you guys, did you guys feel that where it just looked kind of off on TV? Like the broadcast was funky. Like I just wasn't a big fan of the production itself. But uh, game wise, I mean, Robert Sala, man, just like you, you said, I would just take that game film and just use that as your resume, basically to get a job because he put cliff kingsbury in prison basically had him in hell all afternoon long um they held them to what like 12 points uh the entire game just fantastic performance by the defense um and they were down a bunch of guys and this was a meaningless game you know they've been in arizona holidays short week whatever they came out and uh looked fantastic um you hit on some of the defensive guys that impressed offensively, just rewatching them. The three guys, Trent Williams, Lakin Tomlinson, and Mike McGlinchey, man, when they're run blocking like that, they feel like unstoppable. And Kyle's one of those coaches where he's, he doesn't call plays just to call plays. If something's working, he just hammers it. And they were just running the hell out of the ball. Shout out Jeff Wilson, who had like a buck 80. Those three guys, Jeff Wilson, George Kittle back in the run game. Shout out even Ross Dwelly I thought was pretty good. So just r- offensive run blocking was uh, on point on Saturday and made, you know, C.J. Beathard's life a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, just talking some numbers here per RBSDM. The 49ers had an EPA per rush of 0.25, which is very, 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 very good. good. Their success rate was 59%. Uh, league average is about in the mid forties. So again, very, very good. Well above average. They were crushing it on early downs. CJ Beathard, as we mentioned, just 
took care of the ball when he had to for the most part. Jeff Wilson, EPA per play, 0.28. Again, very, very, very good. Whereas the Cardinals and what Salah did to them, they were not very good. So they were only successful on 36% of their plays. Compare that to the 49ers, 51% success rate. And the Cardinals had 81 plays. So they're on the field a lot. They're just not doing much and they're not moving the ball. So Kyler Murray, his his EPA per play was actually in the negatives, which would make sense if you just watch him because the plays that he was making was pretty much with his legs. Like he made that one play where he made DJ Jones miss and then him in the open field against Kerry Hyder is not fair. That's not fun for the defense, but uh, just overall, man, they played really well. It was, it was It was good to see the defense play fast. They were aggressive. They were laying the wood. There were some really big hits in that game. Tarverius Moore obviously had one in the end zone. Um, I mean, just near the line of scrimmage, Fred Warner forced a fumble, recovered a fumble, batted a pass on fourth down. Just a ho-hum, typical Fred Warner game, man. He's going to make a lot of money this offseason, that's for sure. So, again, as we mentioned, not going to spend too much time on that just because as we get closer and closer to the offseason, the 49ers are going to have to make some very tough decisions. And let's start with one of them that they're going to have to make this week. Robbie Gold, the 49ers are going to have to decide whether they want to pick up Robbie Gold, half of Robbie Gold's option, which is $2.25 million. He was the reason that this game was close to begin with. I don't know if that's fair or not, just to pin it on the kicker, but it is. <laughs> We're just going to say that because <laughs> if he makes a kick at the end of the game, that last drive from Kyler does not matter. So while Jason Brett was able to you know, break up that pass or contest that fourth down throw, Shouldn't have even mattered. They should have able. They should have been able to play. You know that prevent style defense. He also missed an extra point, and Gold missed an, a kick earlier in the game. And fans kind of chalked it up to that just being a bad game. But he's. I mean, he's getting paid to make kicks, man. They're paying him a lot of money. He is the second highest paid kicker in the NFL. He's going to be forty years old, I believe, either next year. Or the year. I don't know. Is it 38, 39? 39 right now. Um, yeah. So it would be 40, I think, before next season. So the question becomes, and our producer Rob had a had a good line where, you know, kickers, everybody hates them until you actually need one. They're like lawyers. So I agree with that line, but you don't pay him top dollar to miss kicks under 50 yards. And if if anything, you're paying him to make kicks over 50 yards, which he has not done as well. So I feel like the 49ers are going to pick the Robbie Gold's option up. I don't think that's the correct decision to make just because if anything, this off season pinch pennies everywhere you can, that way you can maybe bring back K1 Williams for that extra 2 million or so that you would go somewhere else. So what do you think about the decision? And do you think the 49ers will pick up his option? So let's get some stats on Robbie gold. So the last two years, he is 75%. Uh, and field goal percentage this year he's 82 percent both numbers are down from his 2018 career high where he was I think 98 percent on field goal kicks I mean he was fantastic that year Um, just his I think his leg strength has just dropped he struggles I think over 50 yards let's see he's just two for four uh, you know this season so he hasn't been particularly good from that distance Um, so that's the, you know, his kicking ability side of it. Um, and then from a cost perspective, his cap hit next year would be five and a quarter million. So 5.25 million. And then his cap hit in 2022 
is 4.75 million, which is his age, I think 41 season. So he's getting up there in age. He's not going to get stronger, you know, as the years get on. He is extremely expensive for a kicker. He's up there, you know, paid like Justin Tucker with some of those other guys. I just look at kicker like a high price kicker, I should say, is a luxury, especially when your team is pressed up against the cap. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to pay that money to a kicker. Like instead of a kicker, just like you mentioned, that money could be going towards defensive line depth. Uh, it could be going towards slot corner. It could be going towards a third wide receiver, just some other position that has literally, more any, impact. Other <laughs> literally any other position. Right. And I just think with kicker, I get he's consistent, but I just think you bring in, you know, three or four guys into camp, you know, Maybe you draft somebody, maybe you get some undrafted rookies, whatever, and you find a way to replace him cheaper. Like it's one of those positions where you can penny pinch and find equivalent production uh, out of. And so I think they shouldn't pick up his option. And honestly, even if they don't pick up his option, it doesn't mean he's not coming back. He'll just be a free agent and you can figure out if you want to re-sign him or whatever, um, you know, in March. I feel like just like you said, I think they will. I just because you know familiarity he's been there he's reliable whatever i just think you shouldn't i just think it's bad business to pay a kicker 5.3 million dollars yeah i think that's a good point from the business side of things why <laughs> why right. would why are you investing that much in a kicker right who is probably only going to get worse just based on recent just history regression. Yeah. yeah like natural yeah. regression is going to happen so more than likely they will end up picking up gold's option we will find that out in a couple days here but the next guy that we're going to talk about fullback kayushek who his current cap number in 2020 is the highest it's going to be from his four-year contract that he signed so it's 6.7 million and they have an interesting decision to make and if you ever hear kyle shannon speak about yushek he, I mean, he speaks to him like he's the best fullback in the NFL. Like he's, he speaks to him like he's very valuable. He talks to him. He talks about him. I remember he had a quote last week where he said that Juice was the only guy in the in the team on the team that showers before meetings. Like he takes care of himself in that sense. Where That's fans, funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, he, he did say that. So um, fans will see what Juice does. They will see. The touchdowns he caught in the end zone last last week, which very special that nobody else could possibly do. Um, if you just think of most of his receptions, they're on that leak play. They're on the seams coming down the middle where they are schemed open. But he's a Pro Bowl player, and they're going to pay him to block. This season, he has not blocked very well at all. And one of the, the big examples that we have from this last game was – C.J. Beathard, mobile QB, is running around the edge. Juice has a just a one-on-one block and just whips. Like, he just misses, and it's a tackle for loss. When it, I'm not saying that, you know, Beathard would have took off and scored, but it would have just been a positive play that keeps you ahead of chains. And the issue with Juice has been that happens a lot this year. That has happened a lot this year. And I don't know if it's just off because it's just a down year, it's an off year, but what we've seen from Juice would not just – I don't I would not bring him back. I know that he means a lot to the locker room. I know that he is probably one of the, the team captains, quote unquote, even though he's not official. He's a leader, all that 
rah-rah, soft factors, what I call, that has nothing to do with what happens on the field. But if we're talking about money and if we're talking about saving where the 49ers have 300 unrestricted free agents, you are probably going to want to save as much money in the same case as gold and maybe not pay an extra $4 million to a fullback when you can get that production somewhere else. So I am probably going to be in the minority in this camp, but I just wouldn't bring Juice back, man. And and it kind of goes back to that team building thing where if he is, quote unquote, a, a glue guy, football term right there, baby, um, if they feel like he's a glue guy, then maybe he is worth that couple extra million. I'm not sure, but I would I would say no. What's your take on Juice? Um, so just his play this season, and I think not many people are talking about it, and I feel like we've been talking about it all season, that their running game just hasn't been consistent. For whatever reason, it just hasn't looked like a Shanahan running game. And a lot of people will say, oh, it's because Raheem Mostert's been banged up, or Jeff Wilson's been banged up. Eh, not really. That's part of it. But the offensive line, the tight ends, the fullback Kyle Juszczyk just have not been blocking well. They've been missing blocks Left and right, uh, they were you know dead last in adjusted line yards for a good part of the season. And if you just watch them, uh, like on film, you'll just see that it just doesn't look like what we're used to seeing, like last year, you know, the previous years. And um, so, given that, and given the you know he's making six point eight million dollars or whatever, and he's I think he's twenty nine, he's going to be thirty. You can't pay him that kind of money to come back over the next few years and be your fullback. I, I just think it doesn't make sense. Again, it's just good business to not pay a fullback that kind of money. I think you can replace his production at a cheaper value, just given the fullback market, given you can, I'm sure you can find somebody else, whether it's the draft, whether it's through free agency, because a, not a lot of teams use a fullback, right? There's only a handful of teams. So the market is saturated, it's dried up, whatever. I think you can replace his production from a blocking standpoint, pretty easily. And then from a receiving standpoint, like you hit op- like you hit, it's not like Juice is like shaking guys or his athleticism is like what's, you know, driving him to be open. A lot of these plays, he's just wide ass naked open. And it's like schemed shots that they're taking. And so again, it just comes to a cost thing. If you're if you're getting Kyle Juszczyk at, you know, lesser or lower than what he's making this year, sure, it makes sense, of course. But at his current number or something higher, I just would not do it. And from a use check standpoint, like what other team is he going to go to, right? Again, how many teams use a fullback? Like where is he going to get a contract? Like who are the 49ers bidding against? So that would be my other take. So maybe he comes back at a discount, but I just would not pay him this kind of money um, moving forward. I just don't think he's one of those priority free agents. Um, for the 49ers this offseason. What do you think about that? I think what stood out to me was when you said he never shakes people or makes guys miss. If you were to tweet that, you would get 16 responses of the stiff arm against the Steelers in 2019. Whereas, like, the facts, Juice Check, Juice Check, (laughs) Juice Check has 41 carries in his entire career and has made and has forced three missed tackles. So that kind of tells you that, yeah, that kind of tells you what he's bringing to the table, but that's when the ball is in his hands. But again, how valuable is his blocking? And if, if you can, what Shanahan uses a fullback to dictate what to dictate, what the defense does, 
So he is in control, but I don't feel like you need, quote unquote, the best fullback in the world to do that. Let's uh, let's move on to the run blocking, as you mentioned. So Mike McGlinchey was great. Trent Williams was great. Lakin Tomlinson was great. George Kittle was plowing the way. If, if anything, that George Kittle guy is the reason that their run game has been struggling just based on some of the combos and tandem blocks that he was doing on Saturday. Jeff Wilson had 22 carries for 183 yards. Eight of those 22 carries went for first downs. Seven of those carries were over 10 yards. And we have to give Wilson some credit too here because while he he ran through a couple guys, but 119 of his yards came after contact. He's just running his butt off, man. He runs really hard. I think he does a great job of getting north and south. So he's not messing around. He's not dancing. I've long felt that he's had the best vision on the team, but you kind of see it just the more he touches the ball. My big question was, yeah, all right, so Mostert's hurt, and you have three running backs going into the game. You have Jeff Wilson, you have Jarek McKinnon, you have Tevin Coleman. All 2019, when you're on a Super Bowl run, knowing that Mostert's hot, they're still giving Tevin Coleman these carries. They're still trading off like, where was this last year if you're yeah, going to be right? right with run, one running back? The 49ers beat a few of those. I can't think of the exact opponent in my mind right now, but if you just don't take Mostert off the field last year for some of those carries, I feel like the 49ers are winning or just are in a better position to win. So that was that was honestly my takeaway from uh, the whole Jeff Wilson thing. But we did talk about a little bit who should be RB1 next year. And you have you like the idea of just Wilson and just trusting Wilson. Why is that? I just think it comes down to the health of these guys, especially with Raheem Mostert. Um, you know, I struggle to see him as, you know, a top 10, top five running back because he just struggles to stay on the field. And, you know, he had a giant Twitter rant about it, you know, last week or two weeks ago. Maybe we talked about it. And again, it's not his fault. He gets hurt. It is what it is. It's a situation. But there's a reason Kyle Shanahan just doesn't feed him consistently. Right. There's a reason Shanahan likes to have two or three guys to play off of. Because there's not one true guy that you can just go back to and back to and back to. And back to Jeff Wilson, some other numbers that I thought were really interesting. Hit me. He saw a stacked box, so an eight-man box, 50% of the time on Saturday, um, which was the third highest percentage this week. He also had rushing yards over expectation. Uh, he had 83 yards, uh, 83 yards over expected, which was the highest. Um, and he picked up you know, more yards than expected on 73% of his carries. So a lot, you know, while we compliment the run blocking, they were good. Jeff Wilson was just, you know, an extremely punishing runner. And so to kind of answer your question about RB1, I don't think there's ever going to be a true RB1 in Kyle Shanahan's offense. As much as you and I and maybe some other fans would want that, where you just get that true Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Saquon, some of one of those guys to just, feed, feed, feed. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, running back by committee. But that being said, going into next year, I think you have two guys that you can depend on and Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert um, who really fit the system, who can, who have the explosiveness, the vision, the speed, kind of just everything you're looking for. And now it's kind of finding those third and fourth guys. Like there's a clear drop off after Mostert and Wilson when you get to like Tevin Coleman or Jarek McKinnon, like those guys just don't have any burst. And I think it's easy to find a third or a fourth running back 
whether it's in the draft or signing somebody or whatever the case is, that would be kind of how I would picture the running back room next year. Um, yeah. You know, how would, how do you see the room next year? Um, I would, I was just going through two, 2019 box scores, seeing like Mostert 10, Coleman five, three to four, just getting mad for no reason again. But um, <laughs> I like the idea of continuing to pluck a free agent an, an undrafted free agent, you know, just kind of have that RB three or just an insurance for somebody that can come in who, you know, we know that Mostert has been banged up and that's probably not going to stop. But I mean, I like his home run threat ability, but again, I think as far as like vision goes, which is important in this offense, uh, Wilson is very, very tough to to take off the field. So whether it's Mostert, uh, Mostert, Wilson, and a an undrafted free agent is probably my my uh, where I would lean for the RB room. I don't know if Hasty's that guy. I know he had high expectations. I don't, I don't think so either. Um, I don't. I didn't really see enough from him. The more he got to play, like, kind of the worse he was. Obviously, he had. That's how I felt too. Yeah, he he has really good agility, and he's going to make you miss, and he's going to make you look silly. But I just I would rather get a guy that you can kind of trust because the speaking of, we're going to talk about. I mean, we're not going to talk about Seattle, I promise. But <laughs> they the last time these two teams played, Hasty actually led the team in carries, which feels like two years ago. But it does. yeah, I mean that game, if anything, and yes, the offensive line wasn't great, but he has to create for himself. So. That didn't really happen. But, yeah, I would go Mostert, Wilson, and then whoever rookie that they decide to bring in in, you know, an undrafted free agent. So moving on, Kyle Shanahan, believe it or not, was asked a Jimmy Garoppolo question. Or like on, 17. One day, yeah, he's he's getting tired of it, but he also knows it's coming, and there's no way to escape it. So wonder who, why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, because he's very confident in his quarterback. That's why. <laughs> We have the quote here from you that we are about to play. Take a listen. Guys, you can't say anything with certainty. I mean, you don't sit here and make promises on anything. We build a football team. It's your job to put the best team together year in and year out. Um, people talk about Jimmy's salary. Jimmy's like one of the middle quarterbacks in the league right now in terms of salary. All right, that's just how much they cost. Um, so it's not like it's something ridiculous or anything like that. So we can work all that out. Um, and not to mention, look at Jimmy's record when he's been here. Jimmy, you can win with. He's proven that. He's proven he's a starting quarterback in this league. There's a reason his record is what it is. And that's why we paid for him to be our starting quarterback. And to think that that's ridiculous with where his contract is, this isn't like the first year. I mean, that's how much quarterbacks cost in this league. And uh, he's right there. Uh, I don't know the number, but I think it's somewhere between like 13th and 19th. Um, So that's nothing too big. And that's how much they cost. Um, Now you look into every avenue and you see if there's something out there that can get you a, a ton better. It's the same answer for every position, but look at Jimmy, look what he's done. Look at where he's at with us financially. And um, we better have a very good answer if you're going to find something better than that. Cause Jimmy's shown in one year that he's a guy who can take us to the Super Bowl. And I also think Jimmy's going to get a lot better the more he plays. So about that whole playing thing, that is where I feel like we have to start there because he said we paid him that much money to be our starter. Well, you paid him to play, and he is not playing. In the most simplistic terms, he's not playing. So I don't know. I, I feel like when he mentioned that you look at every avenue, did not have to say that. <laughs> there was no reason <laughs> to add that. Nobody told you to say that. If you felt like he was your guy, you would not have said that. Um, 
that just the fact that they're sniffing around making calls and obviously sending their highest personnel people to watch college quarterbacks, that kind of gives you an idea. And then the salary talk, first off, if you really, really didn't have an issue with the salary or his contract in general, we've talked about this, would have restructured and we wouldn't that uh, you wouldn't have saw the 49ers not be able to call up practice squad players because they could not afford it earlier this season. And um, just again, yes, he can win in the NFL. Yes, he's a starting quarterback, but we, there, there are obvious limitations. And the one thing, the one last thing I want to get to before I pass it to you, he talked about his salary again. So Jim Garoppolo has the highest, the second highest cash number next year at 27 million. Nobody talks about that. So he, yes, he's 11th in like base salary or whatever it is, but the 49ers are going to pay him the second most cash in 2021. That is slightly below or slightly below Jared Goff and just above Carson Wentz. Those are the three highest paid quarterbacks in 2021. Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Carson Wentz. I feel like everybody knows my opinion on this. I just wouldn't bring him back because he's not playing. And when he does play under pressure, uh, he does not play well. And the ceiling on the offense isn't where it needs to be. And he's not elevating the talent around him. So, that was my whole stance. I just feel like Kyle is saying what he has to say. He's doing a great job of, you know, giving people – he's not going to throw his quarterback under the bus because he might have to trade his quarterback. So he's not going to be like, well, he really cost us that last time we played Seattle and I had to bench him and he kind of quit on us and I called him out after the game about, like, he's not going to talk – he's not going to say that. Come on, man. What was your reaction or takeaways and or takeaways from Kyle's soundbite there? I loved it, you know, because it gave basically every fan or writer or whatever something to pull away from what he said, and they could just kind of validate their stance. So he went on for 30 seconds, and the biggest line that everyone took away was Jimmy Garoppolo. I believe Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be our starting quarterback next season, right? And he first of all, he said, I believe. He just didn't say Jimmy is our starter. He wasn't emphatic about it or whatever. and Watch the video, and I'm not some body language expert, but the way he's sitting, he's just casually just shooting the shit. And he goes off, and he gives you all these qualifiers, right? He's like, he has salaries in the middle, and he took us to the Super Bowl. When he's on the field, he wins. And he's just throwing out all these, like, PRE, you know, type things. And it's like he's kind of selling Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value to everybody else. That's That's what it felt like to me when I listened to it. Because if Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy, you believe in him, you think he's coming back, all you have to say is Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter week one, and that's that. Like, that's all he had to say. But he went off and he said, oh, Jimmy's salary's in the middle. Like, he may, he took us to the Super Bowl. Yeah, my ass. He threw, like, 24 passes or 25 passes in, like, the three – in the two playoff games, whatever that – it was 19 and 8, I think. He threw 27 passes in the two playoff games, and that's, quote-unquote, took us to the Super Bowl. And it's like, when Jimmy's here, we win. Well, I think that says more about the other guys in the quarterback room. Because if you just had someone of his equivalent stature, they'd win the exact same games. It, it's not an indictment of Garoppolo. It's an indictment of the other guys in the room. Um, and then the other thing is Shanahan said we pay him to play. Well, he's only been here. I think I think he's only had 52% of his starts. Missed um, more games than he's won. Yeah, exactly. 
And so you just look at all these things and it's like, Kyle, it's December 28th when you said it. And for you to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be your starter next season is just bullshit. Because <laughs> look at all the different factors that go into upgrading your roster, right? You need to know, A, what where you're drafting. And that could dramatically change this weekend. It can be 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, whatever. If they win, maybe they even slide back. Okay, next, what's the salary cap? We don't need, we don't have zero clue what that is because that could have a dramatic impact on what you choose to do. Then you don't know what quarterbacks are available. Is Matt Stafford available? What is he going to cost? Is Carson Wentz available? What is he going to cost? Is Sam Darnold available? Um, is Dak Prescott going to be a free agent? Is, you know, of the rookie quarterbacks, which ones do you like? Uh, which one might be available? Which one can you trade up for? What are those costs? Like there are so many variables that for him to just sit and say that, Obviously, he has to say that, but I'm not going to believe it. And way too many people ran away with it and were like, oh, he's telling the truth. See, Jimmy wins, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, guys, like take last offseason as an example when and Matt Bar- I quote tweeted Matt Barrow's tweet where it was like, we want DeForest Buckner to stay with us for a long time, blah, blah, blah. And it's like they had zero clue what they were going to do with Buckner. They had like plan A, B, C, D with all these different guys with Armstead and Kittle and Buckner and depending on value and cost and all that stuff, they, they ultimately made a certain decision, but those decisions aren't made in December. They're, they're made in March and April after owners meetings and after the combine and during free agency. So for him to sit here and say that just total BS, like, is there a chance Jimmy Garoppolo's back? Sure. Is there a chance Jimmy Garoppolo's gone? Sure. But for, for you to take any stock into what he says in late December, it just doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but my prediction would that would be that they find an upgrade somehow. But again, it just depends on all these other factors. And so I take zero stock into what he said. And people are just trying to pull at quotes and they're just going to run with it. Yeah, and there's... I believe he tagged you in a couple of these two. There's this random dude that just tagged me in like 17 different tweets of oh, yeah. the upgrade or what about Stafford? And, and one of our favorite writers, without mentioning his name, said that trading Stafford is a fantasy land because if you look at his contract and you see that trading Stafford, if, if the Lions were to trade Stafford pre-June 1, there would be $19 million in dead money. Well, you have to look at the other column too, and the cap savings would be $14 million. So they lose $5 million in that sense. However, toggle it down to trade post one with a trade June 1 designation, which the NFL does all the time. Safford has a $13 million cap hit in dead money, and then they save $20 million. So they actually benefit $7 million. So I'm not going to get into these 30 rant or 30 tweet threads of why this or that but I mean Stafford is going to be traded that's probably going to happen is it going to happen to 49ers who knows but to say that it's not realistic for him to be traded and that it only happens in Madden just tells me that you writer do not understand how this game works and there are plenty of other upgrades that we have like in my opinion Sam Darnold can take the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Like he is not that much different than Jimmy Garoppolo. I understand that he plays for the Jets. I understand people's thought of Sam Darnold is probably not very high. But if you just see what he does, see what he imagine what he can do in this specific offense with these specific weapons, like I would have no problem rolling with Darnold. And honestly, the rookies, 
nope, like that's it's going to be it's a first round quarterback. Like, what are we even talking about right now? So that I, I I feel like I could name five to ten upgrades at the quarterback position. So they're working on it. There's no doubt about it. They have essentially confirmed this. So it, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen. I, I lean yes. I just can't imagine them expecting to roll into the season next year with the injury concern and being in the same situation again where you have to roll out C.J. Beathard, Josh Rosen, whoever your backup is heading into 2021. Five weeks after the Super Bowl ended, Kyle Shanahan was trying to upgrade from Jimmy, Gar- from Jimmy Garoppolo. Quote, if he took you to the Super Bowl, you don't try to upgrade him five weeks later. Like, literally. and. I feel like we have short-term memory with Jimmy Garoppolo. You only remember the good things. All I hear all the time is like the Saints game or uh, the two Cardinals games, but no one ever talks about like the second half of the Super Bowl, the Vikings game, uh, why he only threw eight times in the Green Bay NFC Championship game, the Tampa Bay game week one where they should have lost. Like there are a bunch of games throughout the season that I feel like we just forget where he had just miserable drives. And if you just look at the totality of it, or even like practice, like you mentioned, like I think there's ways to upgrade this off season. I just don't know what route they go in, but I do think they upgrade somehow. Uh, I just don't know if that's a rookie, a vet, they trade for somebody they sign somebody. I, just, I, that I don't know, but I think they do somehow. So another part about that is this season, when you're talking about how you remember him, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't on the injury report, but fans will act like claim that he was injured because, you know, that is going to be a lot easier to defend him. But the Seattle game wasn't on the injury report, threw the ball 19 times, did not cross 100 yards. This last week, people were dogging Tua for doing the same thing for that. It'd be impossible to have that many attempts. I think he had 22 attempts for 90 yards, 93 yards. So 22 attempts for 90 yards or 19 attempts for 84 yards. It's like, Two like goes hand in hand. He also had the interception. He's just he's just a limited quarterback, man. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I I feel strongly that if they roll into the season with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starter in twenty twenty, you cannot like whatever happens, you probably deserve what whatever happens. Whether it's not making the playoffs, or they probably make the playoffs if he stays healthy. But if he does get hurt, they deserve like you can't act like surprised because of history. Like he's already missed nearly two out of three seasons but I, uh, go ahead uh, last thing i love how everyone brings up the record but they fail to remember that like the 49ers had a, games. had a historically good defense last year like robert sala's defense last year was as good as it's gonna get probably anytime soon and a lot of people just think oh you bring back nico Bosa, like it'll be there nah i mean that defense was really 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 good and garoppolo just had to play complimentary ball so that's where the balancing act comes in. And I'm not sure – I am sure that he can't elevate the other pieces around him. So that last last thought on it. No, I mean, we're going to talk about him probably every week because something comes up every week. And it's essentially the same um, – around the same conversation. Like today, George Kittle's on KMBR. I can't say enough about the leader Jimmy G is and how his presence changes, how the team is feeling, going about its business, and how the team practices every day. That is – almost word for word what Kyle Shanahan said about George and uh, Jimmy. So this, they're just regurgitating coach B. Like they're not going to say, well, you know, we really had to save him and rescue him. Like they're not going to do that. There's teammates, believe it or not. They, they're going to stick up for their teammates, man. I don't really understand why people take those quotes and run with them. But again, 
you're a fan and you're not really thinking in, you know, the bigger picture terms. So go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, because Devontae Adams, when asked about Aaron Rodgers, he goes, yeah, Aaron's such a good leader, man. Like when he's in that huddle, like, yeah, that's what he says. Right? Yeah. You yeah. use good leader, good teammate, good locker room guy. When the guy doesn't do anything on the field, that's worthy of talking about. When he's good on the field, you talk about that. No one, I'd never hear Kyle or George or anyone be like, man, Jimmy, just he hits lasers down the field or he just throws a tight spiral or just none of that. Shit. It's always he's a good leader when he's in the huddle, like we're extra confident. Like it's all this rah-rah BS that you say when you don't have anything else to say about the guy. And you and I talked about it off the record about his just leadership. And Kyle and I have seen Jimmy in the locker room. And obviously we're not with him 24-7, but I don't know, man. He's just quiet. He's kind of to himself. He's really tight with George Kittle. So when they ask George about him, of course he's going to say good things. I think they're boys like off the field. Clearly they like text whatever the case is, but he's just not like this rah-rah guy. I think Garoppolo is. He's just kind of to himself. He just he seems kind of isolated on that team. But that's just kind of what I've seen in, in the handful of times I've been in there post game. Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, all, all the teammates say the same thing. Emmanuel Sanders said it last year that he's a man and he's a great leader. Jimmy Ward said it earlier this year. Sherman did the same. So they're going to say that leader thing. But our producer, Rob, had a good point where saying that he has he's a good, great leadership is like saying your significant other has a great personality. Like you, Nobody brings that up first, man. That's just not real life. But we're going to take a break here. Uh, enough Jimmy G talk for one episode we're going to talk about a fantasy land trade kittle's record going down and a few of the players or coaches that Salah would take all right so speaking of our producer rob he lives in fantasy land and he had a trade proposal where the 49ers might trade up for a quarterback if they fall in love with a guy zach wilson is who the 49ers twitter will I feel like burned to the ground if the 49ers don't take Zach Wilson, who is apparently untouchable. Um, I like him. I just don't know if he's like the, the second coming of Patrick Mahomes, who you think. Um, yep. You have Zach Wilson. You have Justin Fields. You have Trey Lance. And then, you know, there are a couple other guys that might may or may not be. They're probably more second rounders. But uh, Rob said he trade Debo Samuel which instantly would just get all the fans upset. They're not trying to have Debo Samuel off this team. For, like, I understand where you're coming from because if you watch Debo, he's a very entertaining player. Uh, Raheem Mostert, who I don't know what his value would be. And then you give up this year's first and you kind of swap. So essentially you're trading last year's second round pick and a running back who's a very good running back, but he has injury history without getting rid of multiple draft picks because if you look at all these trade proposals you have this year's first next year's first but you're also giving up both years second and third rounders which feel feels very rich to me even though again man if, if Zach Wilson turns out to be Mahomes and that's going to look like nothing five years from now but that, that's a lot of hope would you be willing to part with Debo to give up a quarterback is a question to get a quarterback Yes, if the quarterback is the guy you think you can just build your franchise around. And I haven't really watched all the quarterbacks. I don't think there's a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or like that caliber of player outside of like Trevor Lawrence, maybe. The other three guys, the you know, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, they're all good players, but I think they come with 
their own flaws or red flags or whatever. I don't think anyone's like a slam dunk, but maybe the 49ers feel differently. Obviously they scout the hell out of these guys. They spent time with them this season. So maybe there's a chance that they fall in love with one of these guys and you have to trade up all the way to two to get that player. Well, if that's the case, then in a heartbeat, I would do that trade. And I saw stats, our producer tweet this yesterday and I was going to respond, but I knew it would just turn into a storm. So I avoided it because <laughs> that's, that's always what happens. And yesterday there was a bunch no, of Jimmy that G news. To you to be very clear. That, that is, is a true. you thing. <laughs> that is true. Uh, and yesterday there was some Garoppolo stuff going. So I just didn't need the, the extra mess. So I just avoided it, but I was thinking about it. I was like, that's a slam dunk deal. Debo Samuel, really good player. I think he obviously he's no Brandon Ayuk. I don't think he's ever going to be a true number one wide receiver. I don't even think he's like what AJ Brown or DK Metcalf are in that draft class. Like I think he's the clear number three guy. And given that, and given his injury history and the fact that he's just missing a bunch of games for whatever reason, and that dates back to like high school and college, like two injury prone ish guys who've missed some time who I think are fairly replaceable and and just swap ones, I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, I actually think the Jets or whoever end, end up at number two, like they would not do that. Yeah, that'd be um, – I don't know, man. I, I really have a hard time believing that as well. Just because – the run, like the Mostert's value just probably isn't great. Like he's just, let's be honest, he's probably just doesn't have great value. And Debo has that injury history as well. And to be fair, the way Kyle speaks about Debo, like that's like his son. Like he's going to guard him and protect him at all costs. He just loves the way he plays football. So, um, yeah, I just don't really see that, um, see that amounting to much, but the trades will be fun. Like, for example, Bill Barnwell had a trade earlier in the week where he included Jalen Hurd in part of a package to move up. I don't know what his value is because what, he what GM is giving up yeah. anything for Jalen Hurd, <laughs> right? Like he 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 went in the third round, but come on, like that's not really yes, that's just not realistic. But again, these are fun to to talk about just because we have no idea, and I would be fascinated to see if the 49ers were to include a player and who that player would be, because if we're just talking about untouchables for me, it's Ayuk, it's Bosa, it's Warner, and you can have anybody else you want, man. Unless I'm just missing something, someone off the top of my head. Like I wouldn't trade Trent Williams, obviously, but uh, you can, you can take whoever you want to, man. If, if I'm getting a, just if I'm getting my quarterback or my home run guy, who, who are your untouchables? Uh, Definitely Brandon Ayuk, because I think, and I tweeted this out on Sunday, I think he has Devontae Adams-like potential. That was his comp. I think that was your comp as well, maybe. Um, and if he ever hits that type of a ceiling, the Niners just, like, hit a home run in the first round. Um, Fred Warner, I would not touch. And Nick Bosa, obviously. Even if even though he's coming off an injury, he's had multiple injuries in the past. He's... He was just phenomenal as a rookie, and he plays an extremely valuable position, so I wouldn't move him. And I would add Trent Williams to that list just because he's so dominant as a left tackle, even though he's a little older. I would put those four guys probably uh, in that list. Every, anyone else you can take. And that's a I don't know if that's a hot take. Like Even if it's George Kittle or even if that's Debo Samuel or if that's Dre Greenlaw or if that's 
Jimmy <laughs> Ward, like if you're not willing to trade a fifth round, your fifth round linebacker, Dre Greenlaw, then I have serious questions about your your ability to evaluate talent. How many responses are you going to get with that Seattle stop? There, it's going to be. You're going to trade this. I I can put together some clips that people of this year of Greenlaw like falling on his butt or getting his ankles broke that nobody ever talks about because why would you? But anyway, let's move on. This past week, Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey broke Kittle's receiving record. I believe it's four uh, fourteen hundred and sixteen yards. Kittle's previous record was 1377. 49ers fans were not happy, shocker, and they, you know, just kind of went at Kelsey for it taking more targets or this, just coming up with reasons to trash Kelsey, which, hey, man, he broke a record. Just congratulate him. Move on. Life goes on. Kittle will be fine. Trust me. I guarantee you he's not waiting up at night. And if anything, I think they're boys. I think they talk quite a bit too, so – um, he said that he was happy for him. Why can't we just be happy when everything, when, when things happen? That, I've, I've kind of gathered that quite a bit over the last two years that we, we always turn things into like anything has to be pro 49. Why can't we just be happy for somebody else? God forbid right. that somebody else does something good in the NFL. But do you have any takes on Kelsey breaking Kittle's record? I actually enjoy watching Travis Kelsey play. And just the Chiefs offense in general, I think he's a fantastic player. I love his personality kind of off the field as well. He's just a fun player to watch. And so I have, I don't get why people hate on him. Um, but I do have an interesting stat. So Football Outsiders does DR, uh, defensive yards above replacement. Basically what they do is they look at like an average tight end given that play or whatever, and they figure out how many yards on top of that a certain tight end got. It's kind of to value what the tight end brings versus what the scheme uh, brings right and I think Rob Gronkowski leads this all-time um, stat with one of his dominant years but let's look at this so George Kittle in 2018 his record-setting season his DR was like 207 in 2020 Travis Kelsey's record season is 403 hell Robert Tanyan this year has a higher DR than George Kittle had that 2018 season with uh, with Nick Mullins so like how valuable was Kittle's 13, 1400 yards or whatever. I'm not sure. A lot of that was schemed open or whatever the case, but I feel like we just value that too much. Um, I always say this when it comes to Kittle. I, a lot of fans like to call him the best tight end of the league. A lot of Chiefs fans say that Kelsey's the best tight end of the league. I just say that neither team would trade their player for the other player. I think Kelsey fits what the Chiefs want to do. Kittle fits what the Niners want to do. They're both happy with it. It is what it is. I don't think one's better than the other. I think they're like 1A, 1B, and it is what it is. But Niner fans really take it personally when Kittle's not the best tight end in the league. It's fine. And they always knock Travis Kelsey's run blocking and like all the stuff. And it's like, Which is not bad, by the way. Like you, You're just admitting that you don't watch Kelsey because he he tries. And that's all, that's all blocking it really is. is trying. Nobody's going to be as good of a blocker as Kittle because of his background. That's – like he's been doing this for a while and he takes pride in that. That's the reason he is such a dominant run blocker, but we can flip that over and make a very strong case for Kelsey. And it probably starts with scoring points, which happens to be the object in football. So uh, we can move on there and talk about one of your arch nemesis Richard Sherman, who will not play uh, nemesis. Um, Richard Sherman, 
not going to play against Seattle. He has he essentially calf just messed flared up. I imagine just not going well. Rich Sherman out. Probably have seen the last of Sherman. Um, honestly, the way the Witherspoon and Verrett played, does Sherman make that interception that Witherspoon makes in the end zone? Yeah, I don't think so. Is he making plays down the field? And this is not really a knock on Sherman. That's just who he is, right? Like he's never really been a player to make plays down the field. He's he's more of a you know makes the heady plays. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I understand. You know, at this age, he's he's not going to come back. But let's kind of actually, I want to segue into Robert Sala and who he could take. You think that Sherman might follow old Bob wherever he goes? Lions, Jags, Texas. Who knows where he goes? More than likely, it'll be the Lions, but Dante Whitner, Hitman, had a take that he feels Salah's going to take K1 Williams, Witherspoon, and Jaquiski Tart, wherever he goes. I love Tart, man. That's that's probably been one of my Me favorite too. players to watch. Obviously, he's he hasn't played enough, and that's probably why that the door is probably closed on him coming back, unless he's gonna take like a crazy bargain deal. Which, if I'm him, no, thank you. I'm going to cash out somewhere else. That's another thing. If I'm all these guys, K1, Jason Verrett, sure, like they're a year, like they're borderline 30 years old. Like this is going to be probably their last contract. So max out as much as you can. Um, do you think it's possible, or do you do you think that Sal is going to poach any of the players? Because as much as we talk about him taking uh, D'Amico Ryan's to be his DC. He can take Kerry Hyder and convince him, which is would probably be a blow to the 49ers depth. And I I don't really think Hyder is the player that most fans think he is, but he's a very good depth piece that will be highlighted next year, I imagine. So who do you think is on Salah's radar, whether it's coaches or players? Yeah. So again, this all depends kind of on where Robert Sala goes. Cause I so let's assume he goes to the Lions. I don't think their cap situation is very good. I don't think they have enough the cap number to be able to bring just all these guys over. Um, but why we say this is because you look at Matt Patricia with the Lions previously or Brian Flores with the Dolphins. What they did when they went to their spots is they took a lot of guys from the Patriots, right? Which makes sense. They know your system. Those are guys you've been around, um, guys you can trust, and guys that, you know, it just makes the transition a lot easier for you if you're Robert Sala. So I totally understand why he want to take Tart. Uh, Witherspoon, Verrett, um, Richard Sherman, just some of these guys that are free agents on defense, Kerry Hyder. Um, and and a lot of these guys, if you listen to them in pressers or whatever the case is, they have a ton of respect for Robert Sala and they really like his coaching style, his leadership, and they think highly of him. And just like you hit, a lot of these guys are trying to cash out, right? And the Niners aren't in a position. The object, by the way, like don't be mad somebody for taking more money because you would do the exact same thing i cannot stand fans do that 100 percent, yeah don't take a discount to stay with the niners i would just cash out if you're jason verrett whatever the case is you know um just do what's best for you and i can definitely see robert sala convincing some of these guys to go with him to detroit so the names that i think would follow him a kwaski tart you and I, we like him as a player. A lot of fans, I feel like they undervalue him because he doesn't have the stats. Um, but I don't think he's coming back to San Francisco just because of his injury history, whatever. So I think that that's a possibility. Richard Sherman, coach on the field, 
athletically, I'm not sure what he has in the tank. Um, but I I would imagine Sherman follows Salah. I think those two have a, a good relationship. I think the Niners keep the rest of the bunch. That's Witherspoon, K1 Williams, and Verrett. Uh, just because they've got nobody else signed in the cornerback room. And I think those guys have been playing well this season, especially Witherspoon kind of as of late. Um, so I can see Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and the rest of the crew keeping them. But I, I would just think those two guys especially follow Sala. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think they're able to keep K1. I think they're able to keep Verrett. I think Sherman goes elsewhere if he doesn't retire. I actually think Salah is able to poach Spoon because he's going to be able to talk him into not having to fight. Like, hey, come with me and the job is yours. And we're going to give you money to prove that you're a starter. So I think Spoon is out of here just because whatever the dynamic. I mean, you saw the Dolphins game. That was just a joke. And I also, I would say like a DJ Jones, like an anchor, because you always see like Flores or Patricia take – one of those, you know, D tackles because that's what you want up the middle. So I think I can see a guy like DJ Jones going with him. And for all we know, it can be an offensive player as well. So like he could take like Kendrick Bourne, for example, and be the number maybe he can see the number three receiver. And of course, like that that's the thing. Like not not everybody is going to be, no, not Kendrick Bourne. But that's just how this works. He's he's I'm sure that one one thing that I would love to know is if he's you know, at practice or texting these dudes, hey, man, season's coming up. I'm talking to the Lions. You want to come with? But I, that's probably bad business and just going too far. Um, I think that's a great place to wrap, man. Salah is going to be fascinating. I hope that he, you know, just gets a good gig. I hope that he goes to a stable organization. Obviously, he's going to pluck some coaches and some players, and he's going to take some talent. So be ready for that. Be prepared for that. And when a 49er chooses to take the money imagine what you would do when you go home to your wife and tell them nope i chose to stay for how much oh i took four million less because i like where i live like come on man just that doesn't even sound right so to stay in a more expensive area that probably has higher state income taxes uh i want to live in san jose for twenty three hundred dollars a month yeah yeah no it's crazy but you know just back to sala i i had this thought he kind of feels like a younger Ron Rivera, just a good leader, respected defensive guy where I think he his he has a high floor. Like the like the chances that he fails at the next level as a head coach is pretty low it feels like. Like he's just going to be a solid head coach. And so it's definitely coming I'm fascinated to see where he goes, uh which offensive guy he takes whether it's McDaniel, LaFleur, uh maybe what offensive guy takes, Juszczyk maybe. I mean just it's going to be a fascinating Ooh, few what months. What if he does that? What if he takes juice? That's a good one. Just throwing it out there. If it happens, you heard it here first. <laughs> on the um, but yeah, man, it's it's going to be an interesting few months. Uh, I'm kind of glad that the season's come to an end because it's been a struggle. And actually, the next few months I think are going to be more interesting personally because there's going to be a lot happening with the team. Uh, and we'll just let our takes fly. So that is it for me. You can find me on the twitters at. A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V-K-P. Where can they find you? KP underscore show. You heard it here first. Blockbuster trade between the 49ers and the Lions. Matt Stafford for Jimmy Garoppolo. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays.